right? We got a lot of different things coming at you today, okay? And I'm just sensing a little bit of a lull right now. F that. You don't got time to say. All right? Let's go. Break it. Break it. Let it cross. Woo! Ladies and gentlemen, can I please have your attention? I've just been handed an urgent and horrifying news story. And I need all of you to stop what you're doing and listen. You're listening to Rock Chalk Sports Talk with Derek Johnson and Nick Springer on FM 1017 and 1320 KLWN. Depend on it. Hey, what's happening? Welcome into another edition of Rock Chalk Sports Talk on KLWN. With Nick Springer, I'm Derek Johnson. Hey. And uh, we have another fun show coming at you today. This is my last show of the week. I am uh, just, I guess, being a slacker here over the last couple of yeah, weeks. Yeah, what are we doing? I know. Literally, what are we doing? I know. I know. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. <laughs> I don't plan these things that happen around me. They just happen. <laughs> um, but we're going to be joined by Shreyas Lada, Kansas City star. Talk a little KU basketball coming up at 340. we got a bunch of Chiefs audio to get to. Patrick Mahomes, Travis Kelsey, Andy Reid. We have uh, Big 12 basketball talk and a fun Chiefs prop bet segment that's coming up later in the show, too. Are you ready for the biggest Sunday in sports? DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of Super Bowl 57, has all the Super Bowl action you need. New customers can bet just $5 and get 200 in free bets instantly. Plus, all the customers can get in on the Super Bowl 57 excitement with DraftKings Happy Hour Super Boosts. Check the DraftKings Sportsbook app every day between 6 to 9 Eastern time, so that's 5 to 8 Central time, to see what prop bet will be boosted. And, uh... There's been some fun ones already on uh, the DraftKings Sportsbook. I know, too, if you're interested in golf, like the Waste Manager Open, <coughs> Waste Management Open is this weekend. Yeah. That's where I'm actually going to be for a bachelor well, party I'm going to. And under the Super Bowl, DraftKings has a bunch of uh, cross-sport options also. Like yeah. You can do a lot of different cross-sport stuff. So, like, there's, like, stuff with, like, NBA games and probably with the Waste Management Open also. Well, they have can, some like, boosts for the Waste back. Management, too. It's, uh, I think, a plus – you had, like, plus 250 to anybody to win. Um so they, they've got some bets on there that you can check we'll say, out for doesn't, that. Doesn't DraftKings know that we are anti-Eastern time zone, though? Well, apparently not. I think they just, that's in general, you know? It's just 6 to 9 why, Eastern Why time. is Eastern time the default? Why? Uh, maybe they're headquartered there? I don't know. Okay. Does that make you mad that they're the, the, the standard? I feel like yes. it's easier to... It's <laughs> too bad. Yes. Because think about it. I don't like Eastern time. It's if stupid. If the standard is, is central time, then some places have to be like, well, we have to add. Some places have to be like, we have to subtract. If it's just Eastern time, so everybody has to be like, we just subtract. Why that's wouldn't easy. the standard just be specific time then? It's the same concept. Uh, I guess no that'd be fine add. too. But normally that's what they say. I mean, literally in in most like TV broadcasts, I know. It'll be like, like, you know, eight, at eight Eastern, Eastern five... My question is specific. why? Why? Why do we? Why do we have to pander mm. to the Eastern Time Zone knuckleheads? You take that up with the government. I don't know. <laughs> five to five to eight. Five to eight Central Time. That's what you need to know. Download okay. the DraftKings Sportsbook app. Use code KLWN. New customers can bet five dollars on Super Bowl Fifty Seven and get two hundred and free bets instantly. Only a DraftKings Sportsbook with code KLWN. Gambling problem? Getting help is your best bet. Call 800-522-4700. 21 and older, physically present in Kansas. Bonus issued as free bets. Opt-in required for odds boost. Bet type and amount limits vary. Eligibility and deposit restrictions apply. Terms at sportsbook.draftkings.com slash football terms on behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort. Going back to the Kansas win over Texas, 
Uh, we played for you yesterday the audio from Bill Self speaking in the postgame, but I wanted to dive a little bit deeper in at least a handful of these answers because I thought uh, it was a pretty telling postgame and obviously a pretty telling game for Kansas, one of their bigger ones. So I wanted to expound a little bit more on some of the stuff that, that he had to say. The first thing that I want to go into here is circling back to Joe Yesifu, who had the big game, 14 points, scored a bunch off the bench for this team. And I thought this was uh, quite the comment from Bill Self talking about his game. You know, he, that, that reminded me of the, of the NCAA tournament two years ago. I mean, he was so aggressive and so good and looked so athletic. And, and uh, I'm really happy for him because, you know, he's labored most of the year. But I think sometimes when you get your numbers down and you know you're going to stay in, you know, regardless, I think it gives guys confidence too. So NCAA tournament, to, Joe. Yeah, and that kind of goes back to – something that we discussed yesterday on yesterday's show, which is when you are a young player especially and you know that there's just nobody that's necessarily behind you, are you able to play a little bit looser with a little bit more of a free mind, not being concerned about possibly getting pulled out? Yeah, and I think for Joe Yesifu, um, that has been something that certainly has mattered. Like I remember last year at press conferences, Bill Self would talk about how Joe was – was almost too coachable. Like, he, he listened to everything the coaches said almost to a fault of, like, he was overthinking the game, yeah, basically. Like thinking he, too much. Yeah, yeah, he wasn't just doing. Yeah. He, you know, and you hear a lot of coaches say, when you when you stop thinking and start playing, that's when you kind of hit that that uh, sort of in the zone yes. type thing. And so you heard that, and, you know, two years ago, um, or a year ago, whatever, he was, he was mostly playing as kind of the backup point guard, which is, I guess, what he's being asked, I guess, a little bit to do now, though it's it's still a little different. Um, and, you know, I've always, injured. I've always thought that, and, and I mean, I'm, listen, I'm, I'm not a coach, obviously, and I've, I'm, I've never even really been part of a, a real professional team, per se, like in sports, but I've always thought that when you look at players and different styles of coaching and whatnot, I've always thought that there's kind of two different routes that you can look at it. Like, there are there are players that when you look at them, there, there are guys that, you just let them do their thing. You just let them off the leash. Let them play just by instinct. Let them just use use what they know and just play, right? And then there are other players that are more cerebral players where they do view the game a little bit differently and maybe do need more of like the coaching aspect, right? That that's kind of how how I've always thought of it. And and I I don't know. To me, it it seems like Joe is is maybe more on the instinctual side where he's the type of guy where you just want to say, hey man, just do your thing. Just go out there and just play, right? And I think he wants to, but he also wants to be that eminently coachable player. But I don't know, maybe it's been kind of hurting him a little bit since he's got to Kansas. Yeah. And we, and I think we talked about this a couple of weeks ago with like, with a guy like Joe. It's at times it's felt like he wears the jersey of KU a little bit heavier than other guys. Yes. Where he maybe feels that pressure of just being at Kansas, right? I mean, it's a very high pressure place to be. I mean, you're talking about playing in one of the best college environments in the entire yeah, country. The, uh, You've got the rules of basketball are literally across the street from where you're playing. Like, there's obviously some other external pressures that you feel as a player playing f- for a place like Kansas that you wouldn't feel maybe playing anywhere else. No, it's the, uh, I, I guess we could call it the Charlie Moore effect. Like, Charlie Moore went from averaging over 12 points per game as a true freshman at Cal, albeit a not a great Cal team, shooting 35% from three, 
to then all of a sudden he goes to Kansas, sits out a year, and in his first game there, he averages 2.9 points per game on 27% from three, and then immediately he transfers to DePaul and averages 15.5 per game and finishes out his career last season at Miami, averaging over 12 points you know, yeah, on a team. There are that, a lot of different factors that kind of stuff, but I think certainly... Sometimes that pressure, yeah, it does matter I think for people. certainly playing for literally the winningest program of all time in college basketball, the place that invented basketball, that there's certainly some some extra pressures that go along with that. Well, you know, and, it's, it's not it's one of those things where it's it's a factor. It's probably not the factor in a lot of cases, but it's I think it's something that you know for some guys probably it is something that weighs on them a little bit more. And if KU gets NCAA tournament, Joe, that is the guy of why KU tra- or, or recruited this guy to transfer over. In the month of February, his last season with Drake, he averaged 16 and a half points per game. He shot 39 percent from three. In March, in four games in March which included two NCAA tournament games, one of them against the USC team that blew out Kansas in the second round. In his four games in March, he averaged 21 points per game on 40% from three. So that's a 15 games. And this isn't just like him taking four threes per game. He shot 40% from three on seven and a half three-point attempts per game in the month of March. He shot 39% from three on five attempts per game in the month of February. That's a lot of attempts. But it just hasn't carried over to his time at KU yet. Like, he's shooting... 28% from three this season. So if you're getting back to that guy and he's getting that confidence, he's hitting more shots, that's a huge boon to have off the bench that you really haven't had over the course of this season. Now, obviously, it wasn't just Joe Yesifu going uh, or playing a good game off the bench for you against Texas. We saw Ernest and MJ play well. This is a short answer from Bill Self, but I thought kind of telling as well. Ernest had, a, obviously, a terrific game, and MJ had a presence out there. I'm sure you guys could tell, too. He, he, he belongs so, so uh, I, th- I thought they all did really well. He belongs. He had a presence out there. I think that um, that is telling in its own right because Ernest and MJ haven't always belonged, and that just kind of gives you the the nod from the head coach that he felt like they just they they were doing the right things basically. Yeah. yeah. And with MJ, he's a guy that at times hasn't even been able to be on the floor at all, right? And when you look at his stats, I think what I take away from that from Bill Self is saying, is saying, hey, don't just box score watch with MJ uh, of this game against uh, against Texas. Because if you look at his box score numbers, he didn't really do that much. I think he was one of five from the floor, a couple points, right, a couple rebounds. But when you watch the film, you see that this was a guy that was extremely active, very energetic, and made a lot of of won a lot of fifty fifty type balls. And that that's one of the big emphases that Bill Self emphasizes. 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 One of the big things that Bill Self emphasizes is the fifty fifty balls and sometimes how those can determine, you know, if you're getting sixty percent of the quote unquote fifty fifty balls, you're probably gonna win the game. I uh obviously it would be ideal if one of the bench centers plays well, which which has been the case for Ernest the past few games. Um but realistically, you need one of at least Joe or MJ every single game to play well. And if you get both of them playing well, like against Texas, that's even better. But realistically, one of the two has to do it. Something you've been talking about here and, and that we just t- kind of talked about with Joe is you kind of had to depend on those guys. There weren't a lot of other players dressed. Bobby Pettiford injured and, and some others injured. And Bill Self kind of talk about that, uh, how you sometimes get an added confidence when you kind of have to be dependent on. You know, I, I've I've always thought that uh, uh, when when you know that somebody is having to depend on you regardless, I, I think it sometimes gives you a confidence or uh, an aggressiveness that that uh, 
you play a little bit better than if you looking at the bench, knowing if you screw up, you think you could come out. And and I hate to say that, but that's how those three bigs have been all year long. And 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 so now now with uh, a situation where. Ernest knows he's going to stay in there, and, and this is the first time MJ knew he was going to stay in there too. Uh, I think that, and Joe as well. I, I think that, I think that uh, players thrive if they know that uh, we need them to win, and and uh, and certainly they all delivered tonight. Yeah, so having that extra kind of free mind, we'll, we'll see how long it lasts. Um, you hope that having that free rind for just at least a short period of time eventually leads to more confidence that maybe when there's not, you know, as as thin of a bench, when there still are guys behind you, that by that point you have you have overcome that hurdle from the established confidence you already have. Uh, but certainly it doesn't sound like they're going to have much deeper of a roster for this upcoming weekend. Uh, this was Bill Self talking about some of the injury updates with Bobby Pettiford, Zach Clements, and so on. I think Bobby may be out a while. And, and, and I don't think either one of them will be available to us uh, uh, on Saturday, but I don't know that for a fact. Hopefully they will be, but I don't, I don't, I don't think Zuby or, or, uh, or uh, Zach or Bobby will be available, but we'll, we'll wait and see. Do you envision, let's say Joe Yesifu keeps playing like this. I'm not saying, okay. I'm not saying 14 points per game every I'm, night. That, I'm, en- I'm envisioning. <laughs> that, yeah, that, like, I don't know. What's a realistic number for if Joe keeps playing like this, but it's not always going to be 14, like eight a game? Okay. Is that too much, too little? I don't know. About right? Yeah, I don't know. Sure. Uh, let's say it's that. I do think the big test for the bench, going back to what Bill Self was talking about the confidence, this weekend is a big test because, mm-hmm. as we've kind of discussed, in the last three games, you've had two strong bench performances, both at home. Your one road game, the bench struggled. Now you've got two road games coming up this weekend, and as Bill Self just said about the injuries, it sounds like you're still probably going to be a little shorthanded for those games. Yeah. So, so the test is going to be... Can you translate what you're doing at home with some of those guys into a hostile environment with guys like MJ and Ernest? Yeah, but basically what I was saying there is that if if Joe Yasufu keeps up this play, let's envision a scenario where Bobby Pettiford, he said Bobby, Pettif- Bobby could be out a little bit. Let's say Bobby doesn't come back till late February. If Joe keeps playing like this for the next few weeks... He's, he's the first guy. He's got to be ahead of Bobby, right? Oh, yes, easily, 100%. Okay. Yes. Yeah, Joe I don't, there, I don't actually... Think any, I don't think there's any question about that. He's got the uh, fourth best defensive BPR per Evan Miyakawa's website on KU's team so far this season. So he's provided good defense, and yeah, if the scoring comes around, like that'll uh, certainly go for him. Um, as far as the center position, you probably need to get a third guy back more for just insurance than anything. But if Ernest and KJ stay out of foul trouble, that's a very good one-two punch from yeah. what we've seen in some of these recent games. Uh, one of the other big takeaways from the game besides the bench was obviously Dewan Harris. Uh, scoring, whatever, 17, 18 points for KU, looking ultra-aggressive. And quite the message from Bill Self kind of talking about that KU needs him to play like that to be at their best. The most impressive stat line, maybe of all of them, is the fact that Juan shot 16 shots. And I asked him in the locker room, have you ever shot 16 shots in a game before? And he said, yeah, I did once in fifth grade. And I said, fifth grade doesn't count, dude. So so uh, uh, that, to me, is we're better when, when he's aggressive. You know, he's gone through several games where – and I think it's fatigue, but he's gone through several games this year where his his energy level didn't look like it was a, a, an aggressive downhill. He was a, 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 a just a kind of a, a a possession player, and 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 he needs to be in attack mode and be aggressive all the time. And and of course, Grady hadn't got a lot of looks lately, but he was able to free up enough to you know put twenty one on the board. 
I think when you hear that, it's not just him answering a question. I think it's almost like a message to Dewan Harris. Okay. You know what's even really funny about this? Yeah, how you said that? Hmm. Did you see the KU basketball Twitter this morning? No. That audio clip that we just played, they posted that in video form from the press conference and tweeted it this morning. Do you think Bill Self <laughs> took over KU basketball's Twitter account to even further drive his point home that he's trying to make here by tweeting it out again this morning? <laughs> Thoughts? Uh, no, I do not. <laughs> I, I think Bill Self stays as far away from social media as possible, which I, I would do if I was, you know, do you remember when he, remember when he uh, multimillionaire. rewatched the 2018 game and live tweeted it during yeah, COVID? Yeah, like that's the one. Those are the exceptions. Like, <laughs> Something like that, but outside of that, like he's, and even then, would it shock you if he was like, "Hey, you tweet this for me. I'm just gonna say it," you know, if, to somebody, okay, I don't that know, could like be a true. daughter or yeah. something. Somebody sitting next to him is like, "Oh, just what if I say something? As long as it's like you know PG or whatever, tweet it." Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Basically, he's just like, "Clean it up for me. I'm just gonna say it how I feel it, and you uh, you do the job and clean it up for me." But yeah, man, I I think that it just. It doesn't have to be 17 or 18 every night, but it definitely has to be. It can't be the games where, you know, he has four points, zero points on 0 of 6 shooting. Like, it, yes. it can't be that. You have to have something there. I know the Texas coach, uh, after the game, kind of echoed the same thing. Like, they are just so much harder to guard yeah. when he's being aggressive on the offensive side of the ball. Yeah, and we've talked about it. Like, DeWan, he doesn't need to average 14, 15 a game. But if he can get you 8 to 10 per game on, you know, Four of six, four of seven from the floor, three of seven, whatever from the floor. Like, that's that's probably going to be pretty good. That's probably going to be pretty good. That's probably going to put you in a position to to do well. Uh, the Texas game was KU's fifth best by points per possession, at least adjusted on uh, Ken Palm's adjusted offensive efficiency. I mean, just uh, just think that's back to the games that that he's gone off offensively, like. Whether it was the Texas game, or I think he had ten points against Seton Hall. Um, yeah, it's yeah, it's not that Dewan has to perform well offensively for KU to Texas win. Texas Tech. It's that it's when the, he does the best offensive offense, games. Yeah, it's yeah that it's when he boost. does perform, they're almost guaranteed to win. Mm-hmm. So it's not that he has to for them to win, but when he does, they pretty much win every time. So obviously, big time win for Kansas in the end puts him back to within a game of Texas. Bill Self wasn't quite ready to go to to say that it was like a true must win, but pretty darn close to it. It was as close to a must-win as you can have this early in the season to win the league. So, you know, if you go down three games, I mean, that's uh, uh, three games with, with what what would that be, seven left? I mean, that'd, that'd be a – you'd have to win out probably and you'd have to get a lot of help from others. So, you know, now, now you know, we still have as hard a schedule as anybody. But it'll, at least, you know, we can kind of control our own destiny that if we play well, then we'll have a shot. Uh, but Texas is obviously – uh, what is Texas and Iowa State tied now? Is that right? Basically, or right. Texas is a half game up. So, so uh, uh, there's still so much ball left to be played, and the league's so so good that that uh, you know even the officials all talk about it. Start the game. You know, they, they, they can you believe this league? I mean, they're all they're all saying it, and and so uh, what do we have six in the top 17 today. Yep. You know, and and here we are. We played really poor ball. For the, over the last two weeks, for three weeks, for the most part, and you know, you look up and we're we're this is the we're tied for the poorest we've ever started a league at six and four ever, and the 20 years we've been here, and you're not ranked ninth in the country. That so just goes to show you how good the league is. 
So obviously very important for KU to win that game. Uh, the last thing that that I kind of took note of that that he certainly said was about the the points in the paint, the scoring in the paint. This was one of KU's better scoring in the paint games, and I think it's very pertinent for this upcoming weekend uh, against Oklahoma. I'll tell you why in a second, but here's Bill Self's answer kind of talking about how for KU to be at their best, yeah, they, they have to be good in the paint. When you look at when we didn't play well, we didn't get points in the paint. You know, I, we're, we're, we got to be about paint touches off the pass or off the bounce one way or another. And and tonight we, we were successful. I bet our paint touches were a minimum of three times and maybe four times more than they were on Saturday. So and and then, you know, what 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 hurts when you don't get paint jumps touches then you become an execution team or a jump shooting team and and you know then you don't get to the free throw line as much and and all these things. So so uh, we were we were better tonight uh uh but it was is encouraging to me that I thought everybody with the exception of Jalen, you know, who's our best at driving it downhill. I thought everybody drove it downhill and, and got paint touches. KJ did from the perimeter. Uh, uh, Kevin for sure did. Joe for sure did. One obviously. And then Grady's getting better and better at it all the time. So why I think that's important. I mean, obviously getting easy shots and making them is like, you can figure out that one, why that's, that's obviously a key skill. Um, but you look at this Saturday's game against Texas Tech, or, or not Texas Tech, I'm sorry, Oklahoma, KU's next game. Okay. KU's worst game defending the two-point shot was Oklahoma in the first meeting. Now, that's the defensive side of it. Kansas's second worst game offensively shooting twos was Oklahoma. Well, uh, you got to narrow the gap. You got to narrow the gap if you want to win in Norman. So... Uh, perfect example of it in the win over Texas. Are right, we going to take a timeout? Shreyas Lada is going to join us in less than 15 minutes. With Nick Springer, I'm Derek Johnson. You're listening to RCST on KLWN. Depend on it. Welcome back in. You're listening to Rock Chalk Sports Talk on FM 1017 and 1320 KLWN. With Nick Springer, I'm Derek Johnson. Joined now by Shreyas Lada of the Kansas City Star and at KansasCity.com who uh, just wrote about the importance of the aggressiveness of Dewan Harris after his big game against Texas. Is there like an ideal number, do you think, Shreyas, of, I don't know, points per game or like a range to you that you think Dewan Harris needs to kind of average for, for KU to be at its best? I wouldn't even say points per game. I want to say shot attempts. Okay. Uh, I thought it was pretty – when I wrote about it, he's only shot double digits like three times in conference play. They've won every single one of those games five times uh, total this season, and they've won all of those games. Um, I think just his ability to go out there and kind of showcase that he can score if needed really opens up the entire floor for KU um, between guys like Grady Dick not getting face guarded as hard, Jalen Wilson having a little more space. Um, and his aggressiveness, I think, forces opposing defenses to you know showcase that KU isn't as one-dimensional as it seems at times You know when we've talked about it, and it's been an issue all season where Jalen Wilson has had not enough help. And in this game against Texas, he had two points, and Dewan Harris had 16 shots, which is something he said he hadn't done since fifth grade. Bill Self said it didn't count, but I, I thought it was pretty funny that, you know, he has this mentality to be the facilitator, but I think between his teammates, his coaches, and even the opposing coach, Texas uh, opposing coach, talks about how much better KU is when he's aggressive and takes those shots. It posts a lot of pressure on imposing defenses, and it makes Kansas a threat to score, I think, from one to five. So I guess, I don't know, like Jalen Wilson is, is Kansas's best player, but w- 
if you were going by most important, and I know that's kind of a, a vague way of putting things, and, and you can view it however you want, but would you argue Dewan is the answer there? Oh, that that's a tough one. I want to say he's probably two or three. Um, I think Jalen is, is just the most important. You need a guy that can go out there and get a bucket when you need it, and he's the guy Kansas trusts. And I think I think I believe against Texas, that was the first time he had single digit points um, like all season. That kind of just shows how much Kansas trusted to go out there and score his usual 17, 18, 19, 20 a game or whatever. And if that, he had more, he's had more up to that point. I think he had six straight games with 20-plus points. But DeWan makes a, a really remarkable case. I think he is that engine that drives Kansas men's basketball team. Um, and I think he's probably, in my opinion, the third most important guy after K.J. Adams. So then that kind of pick and roll with Dewan and KJ, which has kind of been the unsung heroes, at least before where we, I don't know, kind of where before the season started and, and not totally expecting with those two guys. Um, I I don't know. Like, do you view the Texas game as, as being uh, obviously outside of, of Jalen Wilson, what, what he was able to do? Like, is that kind of the optimum game from, you know, Dewan Harris and, and KJ Adams and, I guess some of these other players, like like forget. I, I know the shots aren't always going to fall every night from maybe the outside, but is that something you kind of expect to be the case moving forward? That you have all these guys who are kind of being more aggressive, looking for their shot, or do you think that is just something that you know when you have Jalen Wilson and he's just having an off night, they just had to step up and they did, and and you don't know if it'll continue every night. I'm not sure if it'll continue every night, but I think they know that they're at their best when they score. Uh, like in bunches between all of the five starters and the bench guys. Um, against K-State, I think, which wasn't too long ago, they came out, Dewan and Kevin came out super aggressive, and, and they kind of gave the opportunity to put K-State into foul trouble. Um, and I, I've noticed that Kansas just plays a lot better when those two in particular come out aggressive because those are the guys usually who are the fourth or fifth option uh, for Kansas scoring uh, or throughout the game. And it just, they play a lot looser. Their energy seems to be better. They usually are not falling behind when those guys are the ones who really take the scoring load. And I think a good limitless test is kind of like if DeWan Harris scores within the first two minutes, I feel like that's a good sign for Kansas in the long run. Um, and I think Jalen Wilson's touched on it, and even and Self has touched on it. But the Kansas team is best when they have guys who are, you know, giving 12, 15 points per game. It doesn't matter who it is, um, along with Jalen's usual 20 a game. Uh, and I think whether that happens, it, I think it just comes down to the mindset of what Dewan Harris and, and Kevin McCuller have. I mean, Harris can score. We've seen it. I think he just has to go out there and, and think, hey, they're giving me the opportunity. They're sagging off me. Let me take advantage of it. And it opens up the floor for everyone else as the game goes along. Well, now looking back that they did beat Texas, they had such a stinker of a game in Ames against Iowa State. Like looking back, do you view that as being a lesson that they they used for the Texas game, or do you think that is just, I guess, the problem that that sits there for this team of exactly what you're kind of talking about? That yeah, if the mentality's there, it's great, but you don't know if you're going to get that every night. I think it's a good lesson. I mean, they've had these games where they just don't show up, uh, I think, energy-wise, and they're forced to call back 
um, which really puts a lot of pressure on guys like Jalen Wilson and Grady Dick to make their shots. And then if Grady's not making it, everyone knows the ball's going to Jalen, and then Jalen's forced to take some really tough, difficult shots that you know he makes more often than not. But it's tiring. You can't keep up the scoring load uh, with one guy against five. Against Iowa State, that's what he kind of had to do to keep Kansas a fighting chance. And eventually, I think, you know, he had to go into bench. And that's when Iowa State made a, a little run. And I think he only missed one minute of the entire game. But it, it's just it's exhausting, I think, on him. Um, but it, it is a really good lesson. I think they know and they realize that the key to success and for them to reach their ceiling of whatever that might be, I don't know if it's a championship-winning team or a Final Four team or whatever, um, it really relies on the secondary guys stepping up and bring the energy because Jalen's always going to bring it day in, day out. He's had one off game, I think, all season, with, you know, scoring-wise, um, which was this Texas game. And if there's anything from Kansas to learn overall, I think, uh, you know, when the role players play with energy, it seems to infect everybody else. Uh, the stars like Grady and Jalen. And, and uh, I think it just shows how much better they are when they have the older guys kind of step up and, and really showcase, hey, we can score when needed, but you guys are our stars. We trust you in the moments that matter. Kansas has been dealing with injuries really across the board, and against Texas, I think they only suited up nine guys for the game, and so because of that, we saw extended minutes for guys like Ernest Dude and MJ Rice who have been kind of in and out of the lineup so far this season. And I guess, do you think for those guys specifically, the younger guys, the idea of not having very many people on the bench to come in behind them, do you think that maybe gave them a little bit, maybe a, sort of an extra confidence, knowing that, hey, I can play through a couple of mistakes and I'm, I don't have to play with the fear of maybe getting pulled if I mess up? Do, do you think that really helped them at all in the game against Texas? I absolutely think it did. I mean, Delph said it after the game, you know, like MJ had like two points and like three rebounds, I think, on a steal. He didn't score anything crazy or anything in the 15 minutes he played, but you could see him play a lot freer, a more comfortable pace that MJ. I haven't seen that since I've joined the beat, you know. Um, I was super impressed with his play in the sense of, like, you know, where Self said he belongs. And, I, you know, that's something that I never expected to come out of Self's mouth, I think, about MJ all year because I just didn't know if it was ever going to come together. And I don't know if he's really showcased how good it really is, but that was such a positive sign. And Ernest probably had some incredible minutes, you know, between the, the streams he set, you know, defense he was playing, so the lobs he was getting. I was like, wow, these, these Ernest Udo minutes are probably high up in the plus minus. Uh, and I think, arguably, he was probably playing better than KJ for a little bit of the game. Um, and I was super, super impressed uh, how he was kind of doing all the little things that a traditional big man does and something KU's lacked up to this point. Is there one of those injuries that you think might be most concerning to this team, or um, are you not really concerned after seeing the Texas game? Uh, I think Bobby might be the one, uh, just because, you know, how much can you rely on uh, Yesu and Ernest and MJ to consistently put out points? I'm not sure yet. I need to see it more often for it to continue. Um, but it seems like Bobby is the guy that they trust most off the bench. And he's a guy that averages, I think, 15 minutes per game off the bench. And for him to be out, it seems like an extended period of time, um, is obviously a, a very tough for KU. Uh, and I think it just shows how limited depth they have. Uh, if guys like MJ and, you know, Yesfu don't give him scoring, who's going to give him scoring off the bench? It's going to be nobody else. I mean, like, you know, 
there's no Zach because he's hurt too. And then Ernest doesn't really score a ton of points. I think he, his season high is like seven, eight, nine, something like that. Not super high. Um, but yeah, I think, I think Pettiford's probably the most important out of all the guys that are injured, but obviously they all have, uh, key issues that I think, you know, bring them in for Kansas and how they can help them overall. We're talking with Trace Lotta. You can check out all his work in the Kansas City Star and at KansasCity.com. This will be the second meeting for the KU-Oklahoma game coming up on Saturday. Uh, what do you remember most from the Oklahoma game? What sticks out to you about what happened in that first meeting as we get ready for matchup number two here? Man, I remember Kansas feeling feeling lucky that, you know, if you're a Kansas fan, that they barely walked away with a win right there, you know? Um, I was I was like... My God, they have to have like you know a little more urgency, I think, and and just not fall asleep, get in these deep lulls, and where Kansas has to come back against Oklahoma, and they had that stretch, I think, where they were coming back against guys um, that you know they were coming back from ten, fifteen, and and that was another game where they came back from I think a deep deficit. Uh, so Kansas really needs to come out with better energy, something that we probably talked about all year. And, uh, you know, they are a pretty, uh, I think, physical team, Oklahoma is, and, and they have to, I think, I remember correctly, that game, uh, Oklahoma shot really well from three. Uh, and at, at, at a certain point, I think they were threatening just because they're usually not an amazing team from three. Um, but... Um, I felt like just overall, I think Kansas has to come out there with the energy that they showcased against Longhorns. They have to uh, box out something that they sometimes don't do. And, uh, you know, it's going to be interesting to see how they guard the guys like uh, Sheffield uh, and others who I think they struggled against last time. Is there anything else that sticks out to you about this matchup that, yeah, outside of maybe what happened in the first matchup that you just kind of expect or that you think Kansas might have their biggest advantage in or, or needs to go well besides kind of the energy for them to come out with a win on Saturday? Yeah, absolutely. I think they need to defend the paint well. Uh, it seems like whenever they outscore opponents in the paint, that's usually an indicator for success. Uh, they did that against the Longhorns, who are a really, really good two-point shooting team uh, and really thrived in the paint. Uh, if Kansas can limit Oklahoma's uh, transition opportunities, if they can limit their overall turnovers. Um, I think Kansas does a really good job creating turnovers, and Oklahoma turns the ball over a ton. I want to say they're like in the 300s in the nation in turnovers per game, uh, percentage at least. And uh, they, they, you know, if Kansas can be active in the uh, field department, in the turnover department, I think that is huge. Uh, and, and I've been really impressed with Kansas' ability to, like, get turned defense and offense. So if they can cause some turnovers, play with good energy, and uh, limit the paint points that Oklahoma has and does a good job of, I think they come out of uh, Norman with a victory. Uh, you're having Travis Goff on a Twitter spaces tonight. Is there anything you're most excited to talk to him about or, or excited to learn tonight? Yeah, I mean, I, I'm just intrigued to learn a little bit more about him and, and Lanza's relationship. They seem like, you know, a really good uh, team. You don't see that that often where the AD and the coach is that close. I mean, it was in their contract, for God's sake, for uh, uh, Lance's contract extension where he can get out of his contract if something were to happen to golf or he left or whatever. 
Um, and I'm also just obviously like a lot of KU fans, I'm presuming, I'm interested to see what's been happening with renovations with football stadium stuff and uh, if there's any Allen Fieldhouse renovations. And, and I think just overall what he thinks about both the men's and women's basketball programs. He is Shreyas Lotta. You can check out that Twitter spaces tonight with his uh, Twitter account. You can also find all his work in the Kansas City Star and at KansasCity.com. Shreyas, appreciate the time as always, man. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. Anytime. That is uh, Shreyas Lotta of the Kansas City Star and at KansasCity.com. We uh, are going to take a timeout, one hour down, two to go. Before we do that, are you ready for the biggest Sunday in sports? DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of Super Bowl 57, has all the Super Bowl action you need. New customers can bet just $5 and get 200 in free bets instantly. Plus, all new customers can get in on the Super Bowl 57 excitement with DraftKings Happy Hour Super Boosts. Check the DraftKings Sportsbook app every day between 5 to 8 Eastern time to see what prop bet is going to be boosted. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use code KLWN. New customers can bet $5 on Super Bowl 57 and get 200 in free bets instantly. Only at DraftKings Sportsbook with code KLWN. Gambling problem? Getting help is your best bet. Call 800-522-4700. 21 and older, physically present in Kansas. Bonus issued as free bets. Opt-in required for odds boost. Bet type and amounts limit vary. Eligibility and deposit restrictions apply. Terms at sportsbook.draftkings.com slash football terms on behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort. With Nick Springer, I'm Derek Johnson. One hour down, two to go. We've got a uh, early look at the Chiefs Super Bowl game and a uh, Chiefs-filled 4 o'clock hour with some audio and a prop bet segment coming up next. This is RCST. We got some audio from Patrick Mahomes, Travis Kelsey, Andy Reid will play either in the next segment or throughout the show. We got a uh, Super Bowl prop bet segment coming up later in the hour and some Big 12 basketball talk coming up at the top of the 5 o'clock hour. With Nick Springer, I'm Derek Johnson. You're listening to Rock Chalk Sports Talk on KLWN. If you're looking for the perfect destination for your next social or corporate gathering, Venue 1235 has you covered, located right off I-70 and five minutes from downtown Lawrence. Venue 1235 is a large climate-controlled event space with a catering kitchen, private suite, covered patio. They got a comedy night going on coming up. Uh, all sorts of other events that you can check out with their website or if you're just looking to book for your own event. Check them out with Venue 1235. Kansas City Chiefs take on the Philadelphia Eagles. I don't know if you've heard much about it. Playing in the uh, Super Bowl this weekend. Wait, what? How about that? Wait. Yeah. What? I didn't know that. Nowhere, didn't it? Dude, wait. Oh, man. Pretty cool, right? I had no idea. Wow. That's, if you pretty, had to, that's pretty sweet. If you had to power rank the uh, three destinations of their, their past four Super Bowls that they've gone to. So Miami. Okay. Phoenix. Okay. And Tampa Bay. Okay. Like where I want to go? View it however you want. Phoenix one. Definitely. Okay. Miami two. Tampa Bay three, I'd agree. Tampa Bay would be last. Like what? Like, I don't even know anything about Tampa Bay. Like what is there? What does Tampa Bay have? What do they There's do? A bay. What do they do There's there? Water. Like There's what are they about? I don't even. I don't even know. What <laughs> do, do they have? have that answer for anyone else? Or for yeah. the other cities? Yeah, I mean Miami's, Miami's got, about partying. And exactly. Miami's got all kinds and, of fun stuff. No, you know. <laughs> and Phoenix is cool. Okay. But like Tampa, like like Tampa Bay, like what? What? Like what? What time? Let me ask you this. Yeah. If you were to just go around on the street and go to people and say, hey, what is like the top 10 places that you would want to go on vacation? Uh-huh. Miami and Phoenix are significantly more likely to be on people's list yeah. than Tampa Bay would be. Yes. Like, not even, I don't even, Tampa Bay wouldn't even be on anybody's list. Yeah. Miami would be on most people's list, probably. And Phoenix would probably get on some, get, be on there. 
I think I'd have Phoenix one, Miami two. I just I, I'm not as big into the Miami because that's like a, a club party scene. I feel like yeah. I don't know, maybe not. Yeah. Um, but, but that's still true. the never, beach scene. I've never been to Miami. It's more so popular beach scene. Tampa Bay uh, is I don't know. Is it on the golf Phoenix, side? There's a lot to do. There's golfing. Uh, I'm sorry, is the it, golf side. Tampa Bay I think on the golf so. side. I don't know. I don't know. I'm so bad with geography. You don't know dude. geography, man. I'm so bad. Dude, I'm a geographic genius. You just asked me if it was on the golf side. How much double, geography I was do you know? Clarifying. I, I already knew the answer. I just wanted to say. Oh, okay, the sure you did. Sure you did. So I. Hey, I, listen. In seventh grade, <laughs> I got third place in the you my geography B. One hundred. No, I did not. Up. I have a certificate somewhere for third place at my parents' house or something. That says I got whatever. I don't even remember what place it was. It was like top ten though, top five. Uh, okay, see, this is already this is all uh, <laughs> the bottom is already falling out on this. Story. No, 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 not no. top ten. No, 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 no. For it was, sure, top one hundred. Sure. I promise, top yes. one hundred. Yeah, no, no. There was like eleven people competing, and I got top ten. <laughs> okay, so that's a big deal. Hey, you have to try to be able to you know to accomplish. So I, I guess credit to you. That's there. a big deal. Yeah. Okay, so I'm a like mm-hmm. I said, I'm a geographic. I know geography. Yeah. Well, the Chiefs definitely have. Two of the top ten players in this game, if not the top two, <laughs> um, you could hell. You could even argue that the Chiefs have the top three players. Mahomes, Kelsey, this game. and Chris. Chris, Chris Jones. Jones. I mean, yeah, you could you could make that argument. I don't know if I would, but like yeah. you could. I mean, the Eagles, top to bottom, probably yes. have the better roster. One hundred percent. And so it's interesting because on one hand, I think you could have probably said going into the 49ers Super Bowl that the 49ers have the better top to bottom roster. Okay, but the Chiefs won it. They you did. also probably would have said they have a better top to bottom roster in the Bucks Super Bowl, especially because the whole offensive better, line was yeah, injured. Yeah, um, and that didn't go well for for Kansas City, and that's <laughs> no. probably the case in this one too. But that's that's also part of what happens when you have to pay a quarterback a lot of money. Like Jalen Hurts is still on a rookie deal. Of course, yeah. they're going to have more talent throughout their lot roster, kind of littered around. All right, what if you were in Super Bowl media row, or whatever? For the week, mm-hmm. and you only could you were only able to ask one question to whoever it was you were interviewing. What would you ask? Because there's, there's been a lot of dumb questions that have been asked. Yeah, I like asking dumb questions. I like asking fun questions. I guess would be the, the funny. Way to put the it. funniest question and response that I've seen was somebody asked Nick Sirianni, "Which Eagles player would you not let date your daughter?" And Nick Sirianni responded, "My daughter is five. Oh, <laughs> yeah, that one. That, <laughs> that one. made me laugh. That made me laugh. Uh yeah maybe maybe do some research if you're gonna ask that one um <laughs> well Nick Sirianni's like in his, I know that gets what, a little 40s? awkward though in his late thirties early forties so you should know yeah at that point no I don't know what would do you something ask something fun um something fun wow that's really exciting I don't know I have to think about it I haven't okay. even crossed my mind maybe we had those fun. interviews a couple of years ago at the Big Twelve uh, Media Days where we we uh, asked players like joke questions like I remember asking. Nick Weiler Bab about uh, if Airbud took over his spot on the roster, what would he do? And he basically said, "I'd kill the dog." Oh, that was interesting. Well, um, listen, like you know, you could say like you could ask like, "Is a hot dog a sandwich?" Um, overplayed. If you had to be, uh, I don't know. If you had one superpower, what would it be? Mm-hmm. Is that overplayed too. You think? Are those overplayed? The superpower one, I don't think ever gets old. But okay, yeah, I don't know. Okay, so I I think that. Speaking of superpowers, Patrick Mahomes. He's got a lot of those, right? <laughs> yeah. Well, and so I I, I wonder, the, the biggest storyline for me going into this game, Okay. obviously you have Patrick Mahomes just in general. Anytime he's in a Super Bowl, that's a storyline. Okay. But for me, in terms of determining the game, it is the idea that 
when you go back to the Super Bowl two years ago, the Chiefs' offensive line was beat up. It was injured. Yep. And the Buccaneers' defensive line, their pass rush, got all over Mahomes. He was taking hits after hits. They did. They and did. their defense just kind of dominated the game in that way. So what was your reaction to that? Brett Veach reacted, and he went out and basically reshaped the offensive line. Yep. You went out and you paid a bunch of money, or, or you, you paid a bunch of draft capital. You drafted capital. Creed Humphrey. Yes. You got Joe Tooney. You paid a bunch of draft capital. You got yeah, Orlando paid Brown. money for Joe Tooney. Got a bunch of draft capital to give up for Orlando Brown. You drafted Trey Smith. And Creed Humphrey. Um, yeah, Creed Humphrey. And so you've invested a ton in this offensive line. And and we've seen the rewards of it. They've been a good offensive line. Have they been the best in the NFL or been, you know, that's probably actually the Eagles. Or have they been one of the consistent top two or three in the NFL? I don't know. Maybe not. But they've been a good unit. They've been solid. Yeah. They've been top 12. And so you 10. go from a couple years ago to that being a, a disaster that, that, that lost you the game, essentially, to now you have reshaped it to get back to this point. And, of course, the team you play is the team who is third all-time in the NFL in sacks. To me, this game all stems back to that. If the Chiefs wind up winning this game, it's because of that moment in time that the Chiefs felt embarrassed that they didn't have enough on the offensive line and they used that moment to reshape it. If they lose this game and Patrick Holmes is under pressure all day and he's getting sacked, you're going to look back to that moment and go, they didn't do it well enough. I think you'd feel better if Orlando Brown was playing like he was last year or what you thought he could be. But because he's been average to kind of blow average, it's a little worrisome. Mm-hmm. It's a little worrisome. But not only have they reshaped the offensive line, think about the running back situation. They brought in Jarek McKinnon, who is maybe the best pass block, pass blitz pickup mm-hmm. running back in the league, maybe. I mean, he's very, very good. Like, extremely good. Pacheco's done his job. But I think you can look at this answer two ways. I think you can look at it how you just took it, which is the Chiefs' offensive line is going to pass, protect, whatever. Or you can look at it the reverse, which is the Chiefs just run the ball and use the run game to wear down the Eagles' defensive front that then they, the pass rush is sort of nullified. You could look at it either one of those ways. And with Pacheco, I think you feel pretty confident. Now, Clyde has been reactivated. Do you expect we'll see Clyde in the game? Yes. Do you want to see him in the game? No. <laughs> That's your Super Bowl preview. Uh, Nick will have more on the Super Bowl in the next Yeah, we'll talk about it tomorrow. Yeah, yeah. we also have our prop bets and uh, some Chiefs audio coming up throughout the show. This is RCST on FM 1017 and 1320 KLWN. Depend on it. Welcome back in to Rock Chalk Sports Talk. This will be uh, fun. So I'm going to be out Thursday and Friday, so I wanted to do this now before we got too late into the week and I wasn't here. Um Doing the Super Bowl prop picks. It is it is a rite of passage for a sports radio show to do prop picks for the Super Bowl. Every radio show will do it, and we're going to be cliche about it. We're going to do it, too. But you know why everybody does it? Because it's fun. It is fun. Yeah. No, you're right about that. So you can't stop us. Eat it. Or can they Haters. stop us? Nope, they can't. Unless you're a boss, then you can. Anyway, uh, so we have some Super Bowl prop picks. We have some of the you know standard ones, the stats-related ones that... Uh, we've kind of put together some ones that have jumped off the page, and then we've got some of the the random ones that, that maybe make the commercials and all the other stuff more fun. So uh, I'll let you get started. Oh, I'm you very are, excited with this. Do you want to go through? Yeah, you want me to go through? Yeah. yeah. Okay. Okay. All right. We'll start with we'll start with some more of your traditional bets, and then we'll get into some more of the fun ones. Okay. So first up is just Patrick Mahomes over under 294 and a half passing yards in the game, minus 115 over, minus 115 under. 
So I he's, so in his, in his playoff career, I think he's averaging like 330 yards a game in the playoffs. In his yeah, career. it would lean toward being over. Um, when you look at what the Eagles have given up passing yards this year, the amount of times that they have given up 295 or passing yards or more is only five times, at least during the regular season. Um, so five out of seventeen. No, that includes the postseason too. Oh, so five. Yeah, out only of, five out of seventeen. But also oh, five out of nineteen, I guess. Yeah, the the Eagles did not have like the most difficult quarterback. They schedule. played in the NFC. Yeah, like who's the best quarterback they played? Here's the here's the teams they played. I'm just going to quickly run through them: uh, Titans, Cowboys, Commanders, Vikings, Bears, Steelers, Saints, Lions, Cardinals, Texans, Giants, Jaguars, Giants, Colts, Commanders, Giants, Packers, Cowboys, Niners. So I guess Aaron Rodgers. <laughs> but that was like, I don't know. So yeah, it's, it's not like a who's who of quarterbacks that they played. That's, wow, that that's so bad. I I can't believe their schedule was that bad actually. Mm-hmm. So only five teams have done it though. But Patrick <coughs> Mahomes is also inhuman. What scares me is that the Eagles' pass rush is very much there. Yeah, yeah. I almost well, think the that the best way the Chiefs win this game is they have to be able to establish the run a little bit to a standpoint of getting those pass rushers off their okay. kind of front foot. In their I field. don't like that you said that because. I don't want to watch Andy Reid run HB dive every single play of the game. I don't either, but I'm just saying they have to be successful running the ball when they do it. Because otherwise, that pass rush is going to come after Mahomes. It's going to be hell all day long. He's going to sack a million times. It could be. If they get down in the game or it's high scoring, that would definitely lead to this being over. I am going to lean over. (laughs) I'm going to lean over. All right, sticking with Mahomes. How about this? Mahomes over under 38 and a half pass attempts for the game. Hmm. Over is minus 140. The under is plus 110. So the DraftKings seems to think that he is going to throw for over 38 and a half pass attempts. Uh, my first thought is to lean the over. By the way, what would you take on the first one? I'd go over. Okay. So the amount of times that he's had, uh, I don't remember this. He threw the ball 68 times against the Titans this year. Goodness. <laughs> So the amount of times that he's been 39 or over has been eight of the 17 games. So it actually okay. has been less. Not that much, yeah. That's and surprising. Like, hmm. I'm gonna go <laughs> under. I'm gonna go under. I'm gonna I'm gonna go over. I I suspect that this could be a high scoring game, so I'll go with over there. All right. Noah Gray. Over under 12 and a half receiving yards. So I feel like Noah Gray, every game good for one catch. And it's usually somewhere around like <laughs> Eight to fifteen yards. Um, okay, what are you thinking? I mean, if they double cover Kelsey, the receivers are kind of beat up. Sure, I'll take the over. Take the over on Gray, even though they're going to have like you know Jody Fortson could make some catches. He could, or he could Jared not. McKinney. Jody Fortson has not been that involved no, since really like hasn't. week what four. I don't well, know. he was hurt for a while. Yeah, I- I'll say over. Okay, all right. Isaiah Pacheco, his longest rush of the game, mm-hmm. over under thirteen and a half yards. I'm going to say under. You don't think he's going to break a big run at all? No. It doesn't happen I mean, 13 that and often. a half yards, that's not even that long it's of a run. It's not, but it doesn't happen as often as you think. Okay. I think okay. that's what they're trying to get you to do there. They're trying to go, oh, <laughs> they're this trying to make you think, Oh, well, that doesn't, you know, 13 and a half yards. That's not, that's that, nothing. Surely he can that do that. all the time. And you just think back to the long one he had against the Jags. Yep, exactly. No, I'll, I'll take exactly. the under. Okay. This is kind of a fun one. Chris Jones to record the first sack of the game. Plus five fifty. Um, sure. Why not? Plus five fifty. Okay. I mean, 
the odds feeling, that it's him because it, it has to be them with the ball first, but sure. If you're feeling frisky, Legarius Sneed to record the first sack of the game at plus 3,000. How do you feel about that? 3,000? <clears throat> well, it could be a corner, corner blitz, blitz with Spags. Yeah. You know, yeah. I actually don't hate that either. That would be a little sprinkling. Maybe you put like five bucks on the Chris Jones bone, maybe like two bucks on the Legarius Sneed. I don't okay. mind it. Okay, how about this? The game to be tied again after 0-0. Yes, it'll be tied again after 0-0, minus 135. No, plus 110. I think yes. Well, the game will be tied again. I think again. this is going to be a good game. I think it's going to be back and forth. Tied 7-7, 10-10, 120, whatever easily it is. be yeah. like, you know, 7-7 or 3-3, and then that's automatically... A, that's a home run. It, this is the type of bet that, like, could easily win in the first, like, eight minutes of the game. By the way, I just looked, and Isaiah Pacheco has seven games this year where his long exceeded 13 and a half yards. Okay. So, actually, the odds would be more often it's under. But anyway. All right, Travis Kelsey to score the first TD of the game, plus 700. No, I'm not taking this one. Um... I just think there's too many options for me to have to peg it to one guy. And we've seen Kadarius Toney be a guy in the red zone. We've seen him go to other tight ends. Juju hasn't caught a receiving touchdown in the postseason. Like maybe he's due. Obviously, anybody from, anybody from Philly. Yeah, could anybody score. could Philly should score and you're screwed. It could be a rushing touchdown. So, no, I'm avoiding that. All right. The combined jersey numbers of all the TD scores in oh the game. Oh, my gosh. Over 160 and a half or under 160 and a half. Is this just for one team? No, this is for every every player that scores a touchdown. I feel like you have to take the over. Well, if you think about, so, let's think about this. Okay, you've got Kelsey at eighty-seven. Yeah, if you get, but well, then Pacheco is ten. Tony's nineteen. Juju is nine. The quarterbacks. MVS like is eleven. Super small. And for Philly, Devonta Smith is six. AJ so, Brown is so pretty 11, much, right? Yeah, pretty much. You need so Travis you need Kelsey Dallas to get Goddard, like two touchdowns. You need Dallas or, yeah. Goddard or Travis Kelsey to score a touchdown, basically. Yeah. Because listen, so Dallas got it's 88, Travis Kelsey's 87. If they both score, you already, you've won. I'm leaning over, but yes. But you, you pretty much need one of those guys to score. Yes. Not a lot yes. of those people that have high numbers. Yeah. If, if not one of them, then it's got to be somebody, yeah, like a Jody Fortson or a Justin Watson or yeah. a Quez Watkins or something that yeah. you're not totally expecting. Yes. Okay. Well, you think it's you're going to go with the overall? I now? lean over, I guess. Okay. It's better odds, so why not? All right. Any field goal or extra point to hit the upright or crossbar? Mm. Yes, plus 450. No, minus 650. Will we no, see a doink? No, Will I'll we see no. a doink? I'll say no. Butker's been pretty good in the playoffs. Jake Elliott's usually... Not something I would actually bet because I don't want to bet something minus 650, but no. Jake Elliott, he's a pretty solid. Mm-hmm. Okay, this one I just put in there for funsies. Marcus Kemp, anytime TD, plus 3,000. Mm, no, I will not be betting <laughs> that. Receivers should be healthier. Ideally, it doesn't come to that. So no. Okay, any player... To have a pass completion, a reception, <laughs> and a rushing attempt, plus 900. Also, no. Uh, your best case for this to happen would be if... Actually, you know what? Now that I think about it, would it be that crazy if one of these two teams did the Philly special That's in what I'm saying. So that, that's basically what the they're, That's what they're banking on. They're saying... They're basically banking on saying... Will one of the quarterbacks one of these, catch a pass? Will one of, yeah, will one of the quarterbacks catch a pass? 900? Sure. Or, will, or, or you know, will... Will Jarek McKinnon throw a pass? It won't be Mahomes, though, because he has the ankle, so it'd have to be Jalen Hurts. But I think Nick Sirianni will do it as an homage to, to the last Eagles team. So, yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll sprinkle on that one, plus okay. 900. Okay. All right. Fastest ball carrier in the game. <laughs> couple options here. This is like measured with next-gen stats I, or something? I, I would assume so. It didn't specify on DraftKings, so I would assume so. You can get Kadarius Toney at plus 700. Devonta Smith at plus 600. I think because I I didn't put Isaiah Pacheco on here. I think he was like plus five fifty. So I'm I wouldn't bet this at all, and here's why. Um, 
this is not something you can root for. It, it's not like, like, I guess you can root for somebody to get in the open field and, and run, but like, it's not like if Patrick Mahomes throws to this guy, I can calculate, hey, he just threw for that many yards, or look, he's running, and I got that many yards, or look, he got a touchdown. I just see them run fast, and I go, well, I hope I won my bet. I have no idea if he's running 22 <laughs> miles per hour or 21.4. So, no, I am avoiding that altogether. <laughs> okay. So fun. Here's some more fun Super Bowl ones. These are unrelated to the game. You got the classic coin toss bet, heads or tails. What's your call? Tails. Tails never fails, baby. Okay. Going They're with both tails. minus 105. Then you've got the, the color of the Gatorade poured on the winning coach. Orange, plus 250. Yellow, green, plus 350. Clear or water, plus 500. Blue, plus 500. No Gatorade poured at all, plus 1,600. <laughs> what, what, what do you like there? So orange has actually been the most poured. Really? Which is weird. You wouldn't you wouldn't think since well, these are like profits. The most, isn't, that, isn't orange the most common color of Gatorade? Maybe. But it's just funny because there's no like orange teams that are in the Super Bowl. I guess like the Broncos a few years back. But it's no, it, it does, that doesn't matter. It's the color of the Gatorade. I don't know if that's true. I think what do you I don't mean? know. I feel like yellow, red, and and blue are the most common. I, I don't know. Maybe not. Um, well, why would the team colors matter? I just would think they would have you know for that moment. But like last time the Chiefs wanted, it was orange, so that would be the one to go to. I'm just gonna go. Uh, I'll go blue plus five hundred. I'm gonna go with no Gatorade poured. Wow. So what? They're gonna pour like soda, or no, they're just not gonna pour it? Pour anything. I think that's the worst. Okay, bet I have a, had. I have a question. Okay, about this bet. Mm-hmm. We, I have, this has happened in the past where the coach, like hypothetically, if the Eagles win, I don't want them to win, but hypothetically, like Nick Sirianni is a pretty nimble guy. What if yeah, he runs sees away the Gatorade pour coming and runs away? As long and as they, the like, pour dump, comes out, and they like they dump the Gatorade out, but it, it's not on him. Does that count? I don't, I don't think know. it should. I think it I does. I think you have to have Gatorade splashage on the coach for it to count. Right? Uh, I think it does count though, but I don't that's know for wrong. sure. I think that's wrong. All right, what will be mentioned during the post-game speech, or the first post-game speech by a player? Team, minus 120. City, fans, plus 325. God, religion, plus 375. Family, plus 690. Family. Coaches, plus 1,200. What do you think? Uh, I'm going to go with so God and be religion because... The first post-game Super Bowl MVP speech. Yeah, so Patrick Mahomes is a godly man. Jalen Hurts has the cross earrings. God, okay. religion... Got the value here, plus 375. I think if it's Mahomes, I would look at coaches, plus 1,200. I feel like you would say something about Say something Andy. for Andy. Yeah, I think you would say Congrats something Congrats to him. Andy. Well, and honestly... I think there's value there, yeah. Yeah, yeah. That's what I'm doing. Mm-hmm. All right. Will a player propose after the game? Yes, plus 400. <laughs> no, minus 650. Again, not one I'm betting because you can't see everything going on in the post game. Like last year, I think it was... Uh, Van Jefferson, who proposed to his girlfriend, but it like didn't come out till afterwards on like Instagram and and okay. you know social media. So you, you can't really root. For you that. can't root for that. You don't see it, so avoiding well, it all together. I but think this it, is a bad know. bet too because you have to wait until after the game. Yes, to determine if yes. you're actually going to win or not. Mm-hmm. So you just have to sit there the whole game. Yeah, it's not fun. Yeah, not fun. Okay, which chip company will air a commercial first? Mm-hmm. Doritos minus three at one thirty or Pringles plus one hundred. I'll be honest. I thought this was going to be a landslide, but Doritos at minus one thirty is that a Vegas knows something line? Why is I, the line so low? Because Doritos know. always has one of the first Dude, commercials. You could so easily leak this, like oh what for the, sure. What the? <laughs> what like, the I don't even remember is. seeing a Pringles commercial during the Super Bowl. I don't know. I'm gonna go Doritos, but I'm worried about this one. All right, and last one. Which beer brand will air a commercial first? Budweiser minus one fifteen. 
or Heineken minus one fifty. Yeah, also. it's Budweiser. Why it's is Budweiser Heine- why is Heineken sure. on there? Where's that's Coors a, that's Light? what I want to know too. Where's is this Miller another Light? Vegas knows something like? I don't know. Why is it Coors Light on there? Do Budweiser or Miller Light? But see, this the makes is- me think about. Do you remember I told you the story about when I was at the bowl game for KU and I ran into a gentleman from an undisclosed beer company mm-hmm. that claimed that they had new glass. Mm-hmm. I'm telling you, <laughs> if that was real, we're gonna find out. It's gonna that's be true. Super Bowl at. It's that's gonna true. be a Super Bowl at. That's true. I'm telling you. All right, he is uh, Nick Springer. So I'm keep Derek an Johnson. eye out for Super Bowl beer ads talking about mm-hmm. uh, new, glass. new innovative glass bottles. Keeps it cooler. And if the, if there is one, I had it first. I knew first. <laughs> That is our uh, Chiefs-Eagles Super Bowl prop picks. This is RCST. Two hours down, one to go. We got some uh, Big 12 basketball talk. Andy Reid audio after that. We'll be back after this time out. Five o'clock hour. You're listening to Rock Chalk Sports Talk with Nick Springer. I'm Derek Johnson here on KLWN. You can listen to the big game coming this Sunday here on KLWN. Coverage brought to you by Victory CDJR, the Victory Auto Group. Specifically, they have the Victory CDJR Chrysler Dodge Jeep Ram in Ottawa and are now the new owners of Victory Chevrolet and Victory Ford in Garnett, Kansas. Great spot to go get your car. So we'll get to some Andy Reid audio coming up in our next segment. Today's been kind of a a nice split between KU and uh, Chiefs talk so far. So last night there was only one Big 12 game going on. And Kansas State just trounced TCU. Did you see how deep of a, deep of a three Marquise Noel took and hit? Uh, I did not see it, actually. He legit took it from the logo. It was like a Seth Curry range three. I mean, it was like, it was uncomfortably long where it wasn't even <laughs> like he's shooting a deep three. It was like uncomfortably long where it looked like he was having to like heave up a half quarter with like oh. the strength to get it there. Well, I mean, you know, he's not the biggest guy in the no, world, he's not. so he needs some extra strength to but he cashed it. get a shot that far. Yeah, they won 82 to 61. Um just pure domination there. And TCU um they're done, right? Well, I don't know. They were without Mike Miles in the game. Eddie Lampkin did come back. I just I I think TCU they're- is exactly who we've kind of pegged them as. We've said they're like A plus game is very very good, but they're not consistent. So they're done. Are we? Are we? No, I'm delivered? not ready to go there. Six what? and five. You're telling me six and five? They're not done. They're only two back. They're done. They're only two back. I'm and telling they, you right now, they still done. play Texas at home. I'm telling you, they're done. So Take if a they, fork in them, they're done. They have Baylor at home this weekend. They'll definitely be done if they lose that. I, I would agree with that. Okay. If they win that and then they win at <laughs> Iowa State on Wednesday, all of a sudden they're probably going to be like a wow. game out of first. Okay. You we know? just went at home against Baylor and then went on the road against a team that hasn't I'm not lost at home all season. I'm expected, but like... They're done. I guess that's the point. If you're two games away, two wins away, even maybe even one win away from being back in the thick of things, I don't think you're done. I think you're done. Okay. I think they're done. That's fair. I mean, their schedule to tell you, is brutal. Man, their schedule is this, brutal. This, this week and next week, there's going to be a clear line drawn between the top six teams. You're going to have... Three or four teams that are like, okay, these are the contenders, and I think you're going to have two or three teams that are just going to be really good teams, or you know, good teams, or even really good teams, but not competing for the Big Twelve title teams, and that is where TC was at, I think. So is Kansas State the opposite of that? They're they're back to being contenders. I th- I would say so right now. Yes, I think Kansas State and Kansas are both in very they they're similar they're positions the, right they're, now. They're the two teams that over the next couple weeks we'll know for sure well and in the case of both kansas and kansas state they're both seven and four in big 12 play 
Yep. Kansas State goes at Texas Tech on Saturday, at Oklahoma on Tuesday. So two games to where you're going, man, it's always tough to win on the road in the Big 12, and I don't take everything for granted, but realistically, both winnable games. If you're a two contender, you win both those games. for Kansas. Yes. They're at Oklahoma Saturday, at <clears throat> Oklahoma State on Tuesday. If you're if you're a legitimate Big 12 title you contender, have to at least one of the you're 9-4 and four at this time in nine days, or however many days between those two games. You have to go 2-0. Oh. Well, I, I was thinking about this today, if because there's there's obviously the six top-tier teams in the Big 12, right? Yeah. I don't know. Oklahoma State's kind of there, too, now. Okay, sure. That's fine. So, if, no, if I mean, we want to include They're that. not there, but I'm just saying they're kind of. Well, I, either way, um, let's just let's add them in for the sake of, of <laughs> me talking about this. Okay. Let's say that that means, so, if you're Kansas, you're one of the seven at that point. That means you're playing the six other teams. Yes. If you split with all of them. You've lost six games. You've gone six and six. That means you have to go six and zero oh against Oklahoma, West Virginia, Texas Tech. Now you already won on the road against West Virginia and Tech. That means it comes down to at Oklahoma, right? And Oklahoma State. No, but we well, included I guess Oklahoma State as part guess, of that. Okay, and yeah, this is fine, hypothetically under the guise that twelve wins wins a Big Twelve this year. The share. Or yeah, share. yeah. Which may not. So then, uh, based on that math, what I'm telling you is that. Whether Kansas wins or doesn't win the Big 12, it comes down to Saturday. It's all on the Oklahoma game. Who would have thought? No, no, <laughs> no. Because now you're just going to uh-huh. stroll in here at every game and be, oh, this is a must win. Yeah. This game today at home against Texas Tech, must win. I think this we game do that. at home against West Virginia, mm-hmm. must win. Yeah. It always cracks me up. Every like, game's a must win game. Team will be down if 1-0 you, you, in a there, series in the you NBA. You play oh, to win. win the game. I know. <laughs> so every game is must win. Yeah. Well, uh, three must-wins tonight in the Big 12. Iowa State at West Virginia, must-win for both teams. Oklahoma at Baylor, must-win for both teams. Texas Tech at Oklahoma State, definitely a must-win for both teams. You know how on Twitter you can mute words or like things uh-huh. like that? I want to be able to mute right now, must-win from you. See, but that's a I phrase, so you're going to have to—you would never see want, the word hear. win come up again. Who do you think it is the most-win the most for? What? Iowa State what? or West Virginia? I think like, you need to try that. Again. Who needs to have? Who needs? Who must win more? <laughs> Iowa State or West Virginia? Because in Iowa State's hand, it's like, oh, they could win the Big Twelve. With West Virginia's hand, it's like, oh, they need it to win to, to make the NCAA tournament. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't know. I guess West Virginia because they're trying to make the tournament. Okay, who's more must win here? Oklahoma or Baylor? Baylor, easily. I don't know, but Oklahoma needs wins to get to the NCAA tournament. I I I don't. I don't think Oklahoma will make it anyways. But if they beat Baylor and then beat Kansas this week, at that point... No, because now you're just assuming they're going to have beaten Baylor when they play Kansas, which that may not be the case. No, I'm saying if they win both. Well, then they got to get through this one first. But I think Baylor... must win for them. No, Baylor. No, No, you just described why it is they must win for Oklahoma. Because they have to win this game. No. You said they have to win this game. No, under your stupid hypothetical, where they played Kansas and they're trying to win that game, they would have had to have beaten it win this game. Yeah, so it's a must win. No! Must win to get to the destination they need to go. And then Texas Tech. Like, I just want to be able to mute must win. <laughs> the phrase must win. I mean, on one hand, it makes more sense. Oklahoma State must win. If Elon Musk wants to revive Twitter, he needs to be able to make that feature in real life. Hey, Texas Tech not officially or mathematically eliminated from the Big 12. They finish out, you know, they, they go 8 0 down the stretch. They get to Listen, 9 and 9. Maybe chaos happens. In the Nick Springer 101 math class, they are eliminated. Well, no, actually, I think Texas Tech, like for them, it actually is the most win of they're, any of these teams. But, no, they're they're eliminated. No, because if if we say must win mathematically, I'm telling you they're eliminated. <laughs> I don't care what the numbers say. I don't care. As you know, the next Springer math class one one is they, math class does not always care about numbers mm-hmm. in my class. Texas Tech, 
they're eliminated. Well, I think certainly of those games, <clears throat> the one you're going to least have an eye on is Tech Oklahoma State. You'll probably, probably have an eye on the OU Baylor game because OU is the next opponent. And KU's also, next game is Oklahoma, Oklahoma State after Baylor. Oklahoma. Yeah, so you might check in on Oklahoma. State. I think Iowa State West Virginia though is it has to be the one that most people would be scoreboard watching. Like you're rooting for West Virginia to pull Iowa State back down into the depths of the tide for second place. Could be, yeah. And it could. So, what's I, that? so is, Iowa, is Iowa State? That's they're seven and with, three. Oh, they're seven and three. And then okay. K State, KU are, are seven and four. If Baylor wins Texas tonight, they'd be seven and, and Texas four. Texas is eight and three. Yeah. Otherwise, if Iowa State wins tonight at West Virginia, they're tied for first, and they become a real threat. So that's the biggest scoreboard watch game is the West Virginia one. And West Virginia is playing really well right now. Right now, okay, Iowa but, State. I don't know what to okay, think of them. Here's another example of what mm-hmm. you were just we're discussing with with Baylor, though. If Baylor loses against Oklahoma, they're in the second tier. Firmly. For now, and then they crush TCU on Saturday and then beat whoever they do next week, and then all of a sudden they're back to no, tier one. I don't agree with that. There, There is no way to do definitive statements well, TCU, based off one or two game schedules. TCU might 12. finish seventh in the conference. Sure. But, like, again, if, if Baylor loses to Oklahoma and gets upset at home and then they win at TCU Saturday and then they beat West Virginia on Monday, then all of a sudden at that point it's like, oh, no, now they're 8-5, and five, now they're a game back for first again. You know? It's, you, they're still you done. You can't. You can't overreact to one or two game samples at this point in the Big 12. You just can't. Well, that's my favorite thing to do. I mean, Baylor was 0-3. Okay, but being 0-3 to start conference play and then being 6-5, and those are two different things. Those are not equal. They're similar. No. Same can, idea can, of like... You can get back into it because you have enough games to get back into it from 0-3. If you're 6-5... They and still do it 6-5. They'd be two back. <laughs> they still play Texas at home. And Iowa State at home. Texas is going to collapse. This conference I is think. dumb, dude. Texas is going to collapse, I think. Hmm. I think. We'll see. One I, could hope. I hope. All right, I he's Nick Springer. Better term I'm Derek Johnson. This is Rock Chalk Sports Talk. We got some Andy Reid audio. That coming up next. Thanks for listening to the best of RCST podcast. And a reminder, you can catch our show Monday through Friday from 3 to 6 live on KLWN in Lawrence, 101.7 FM, 1320 AM, or anywhere you're online at klwn.com or the KLWN app. Thanks for listening.